Well, good morning, y'all. It's certainly a joy to be here with you. Uh, I'm Daryl, the assistant pastor here. Our uh, lead pastor, Elliot, is uh, on his way to Colorado with his four kids by himself, which is hilarious. Um, he's gonna be speaking there for a week, and so pray for him and his children. Um, and so if you, if you do uh, think of the Cherry family this week, please pray for them. Uh, they would greatly appreciate it. Uh, we are um, in pure Presbyterian fashion here. We finished one series and we're jumping right into another uh, because we like to do that to ourselves and to y'all. Uh, but we have finished our uh, series on uh, the encounters with Jesus, different encounters he would have had with uh, different types of folks all throughout the Gospels. Um, and we asked you during that uh, series to be curious about who Jesus was. Uh, and this time, as we are launching into a summer-long, uh, it's gonna be 10-week series on the Apostles' Creed, which is uh, one of the most ancient documents that the church has. Uh, it's a, uh, we trace it back to around the third or fourth century, we believe. And so uh, the, the, the Apostles' Creed is, is kind of cool and, and a little um, different in that uh, it stretches across tons of denominational lines. And so uh, Catholics, uh, Protestants, Presbyterians, Methodists, Anglicans, all look to the Apostles' Creed and have found it to be a theologically accurate um, and very succinct uh, yet robust uh, summary of what Scripture says. Um, and the Creed starts out with two words uh, that say, I believe. Uh, and so what we want to ask you for the next uh, 10 weeks is to, um, to evaluate when you say what you believe in, uh, what does that really mean? Uh, what does it really mean to believe uh, in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord? Uh, and so each week we're going to take a different portion of the Apostles' Creed, uh, and we're gonna look to scripture because we don't preach the Apostles' Creed because the Apostles' Creed doesn't have any authority in it. Um, we understand that scriptural authority uh, is the basis of all that we do. So we're going to look at uh, the uh, we're going to look at scripture through the lens of the Apostles' Creed uh, and what it has for us. And and hopefully what we find there is uh, as you evaluate kind of what you believe, as you sort of chip away at all the things that have uh, invaded our head and in our heart space over the last little bit, uh, that we can can really get down to the groundwork and see uh, Jesus to be more beautiful, see Jesus to be more believable. Uh, and that we can have a renewed sense of uh, devotion uh, to him, and then we could share that with those around us. And so that's where we're going for the next uh, 10 weeks, and we want to start with uh, the phrase, I believe, because that's where the confession begins, that's where the creed uh, begins. Uh, but we also want to start there because what we understand about uh, humanity is that all of humanity has some sort of creed that they live by. Um, and what that means for us, uh, and what does that mean for us as Christians, uh, we always want to take that back to Scripture. Uh, so as I said before, we're gonna preach Scripture every week uh, because we understand Scripture to be uh, the authority in our lives. Uh, and so we first must deal with that, uh, that we would look at Scripture and say, I don't bend Scripture to fit what I want. I have to bend what I want to fit Scripture. Um, if Scripture allows it, then I do it. If Scripture forbids it, then I don't. Um, and, and so we want to make our worldview or, or how we kind of operate uh, to be under the authority of Scripture. And so that's where we're gonna start this morning. So we're gonna be in Psalm 119, uh, verses 105 to 112. So if you have a copy of the Scriptures, you can turn there. Uh, it's also gonna be on the screens. And so let's give our attention this morning to the reading of God's Holy Word. 
from Psalm 119, 105 to 112. This is the word of the Lord. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. And I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, this morning, as we come to you, uh, longing to hear from you, longing to have you uh, bring us back into the family, longing for you to bring us back into the fold, uh, joyful of what you might do, yet uh, ashamed of all that we have done. Uh, Lord, would you uh, be so kind and gracious to to remind us that perfect love casts out fear, uh, that there's no fear in coming to you, uh, that you accept us, uh, you uh, redeem us, you have bought us back, uh, and you teach us to walk in your ways. So Jesus, would you do that this morning? Uh, we would leave here rejoicing uh, because of the great things you have done. And so in your name I do pray, amen. So there's three things we're gonna look at this morning uh, out of this passage concerning what does it mean to believe. Uh, the first is that belief is universal. Uh, second, belief reveals beauty. And third, belief urges action. And so let's begin with belief is universal. Also a quick footnote. Um, I was sick on Thursday when I wrote this, had 102 fever. So I don't know what you're about to get. Um, so I might be looking for a new job at the end of this thing. So if you're hiring, just tell me. Um, but this is where we're gonna be, Psalm uh, 119. Looking at this, we're gonna begin with belief is universal. Uh, look again with me at uh, 105, that your word is a lamp to my feet, the psalmist said, and a light to my path. And I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. When we look at believing, um, whether in the Christian sense or in the universal sense, uh, when we look at what belief is and investigating what we believe, it's important to note uh, that everyone believes something. The Bible assumes this. Uh, One of the presuppositions of scripture uh, is that everyone believes something. Your mind isn't neutral, your heart isn't neutral. Uh, Regardless of what you want to believe, uh, that's not the case. Um, In short, you can say with confidence Uh, that everybody you meet, uh, yourself included, myself included, have a creed in which they live by. Uh, There is a certain set of standards, uh, a certain set of kind of standard operating principles uh, that you have given yourself over to and said, this is how life is gonna work for me. This is who I am. Uh, And scripture, it calls this worship. In the world, they call it your personality, right? Right? Um, because here's the thing, you chose your personality. Uh, there, there might be a, an understanding or, or even a temptation to think that that's not the case, uh, but it is. It's the truth. You, you chose your personality because when you chose to be the way that you are, it was to make life work for you. So if you're on the extroverted side, like myself, you know that you can be really loud and it keeps people away from you. Um, If you're on the introverted side, you know I can be really quiet, and it keeps people away from you. Um, There is a protection of our hearts that we're all chasing. Um, 
Scripture even tells us to do this, right? That's where the idea comes from. Guard, guard your heart, for out of it comes the wellspring of life. Everything that you do, everything you believe, everything that moves you comes from the heart, which is really not just the seat of emotions in Scripture. Um, they didn't really have an understanding of what the mind did at that time, but they understood that in your heart, it was not just like, oh, I feel happy or I feel sad. Your heart actually guides everything you do. And so when we look at and evaluate what to believe, we have to start there. The world calls it your personality, scripture calls it worship, and we're gonna be far more concerned with what scripture says. Scripture says you're worshiping two things. You're worshiping God or you're worshiping idols. Those are really your, your only choices. You're worshiping your God, you're worshiping the God of the Bible, you're worshiping God of who he says he is, or you're worshiping yourself, or you're worshiping your money, or your family, or your brains, or your good looks. Uh, there's only two choices that scripture lays out for us. You're worshiping God, or you're worshiping idols. And so when we look at what we believe, we have to understand there's really only two things to believe. It's either God or it's something else. And so when we look at Psalm 119, the psalmist saying that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, he's saying that scripture has so illuminated his life that it allows him to see everything else through that lens. And because of that, he's committed himself to saying, I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I'm giving my life over to scripture and I'm gonna let scripture dictate everything I do. These people are obnoxious, right? We understand that's what we all want. Hardly any of us can get there because what we see more often is that in Psalm 115, just a few Psalms before, uh, the psalmist writes uh, that we all have this idolatry problem, that uh, idols have eyes but cannot see, they have mouths but they cannot speak, they have ears but they can't hear. And then the psalmist says, and you have become like what you worship. That's what we always do. That's the chief end of man, as we say uh, in the Westminster Confession, that all of life is worship. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You were created for worship. You were created for community, sure. You were created to have friends, sure. You are created to have relationships, sure. You are created to be discipled, sure. But you were created first and foremost and chiefly, the scripture would tell us, for worship. And so, when we look at what we believe, we have to ask ourselves, what is it that we actually believe? And for the Christian understanding of belief, it is this. I have seen a story that God is writing, and I want to give myself over to that. Jesus has written a story for creation. Jesus has written a story for the world. And Scripture is showing us as readers that this is what you are to get lost in because your heart is gonna go somewhere else. Your heart is always gonna wanna run, which we'll get to here in a minute because Christianity is a believing religion far more than it's an achieving religion. That in Christianity, believing is what drives this whole thing. You look at any other worldview, any other religion, I don't have to get into that with you, you're smart enough to know that. Uh, that uh, it's all about what I can do to then be made right. That our righteousness is all based on any other kind of work and Christianity steps in and says, this is the only belief system. 
that you don't have to do that. It's the only belief system that comes in and says you have achieved your righteousness by what God has done for you through the story of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, rising again from the dead, ascending into heaven, which we'll talk about in a few weeks. You have achieved your righteousness there by believing in that, and now you go forward. That's what it takes to be a Christian. That's it. And so when we look at belief, I don't even think that we're necessarily in danger of, uh, of kind of slipping into other uh, like major religions. I think the threat to what we believe is actually between our ears. The threat to what we believe is not, am I gonna slip into like Buddhism? The threat to what we believe might be, how am I supposed to vote? What job am I supposed to take? Am I supposed to marry this person? Does God really say that we can't be sleeping around before we get married? What's the big deal that we live together? That's where your belief really comes into contact with what you really believe. Am I really gonna text that girl back when I don't have any business doing that? What do we really believe? We've kind of set up our lives as um, other religions are gonna come in and assault, but what we really see is that the assault is from within. So belief is universal. Everybody believes in something, but what belief also does is that belief reveals what you find to be beautiful. It's gonna be our second point. Belief reveals beauty. If we look together at verse 111, if we can put that up on the screen, um, your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. The psalmist has found in the Christian story, in the story of God, the psalmist has found what drives his belief in God. And what drives his belief is not a list of rules, even though this Bible has rules in it. It's not uh, this intellectual ascent, even though the Bible has intellectual ascents in it. The psalmist says what's going to drive your belief in God, what's going to bring you into Christianity is the testimonies of the Lord. That his testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. In other words, you're gonna be brought in by stories. Your belief is going to be captured, your heart is gonna be captured by the testimonies of God, i.e. the word of God or the great stories of scripture, the stories of tragedy and of triumph and the faithfulness of God and the faithlessness of mankind, of God's mercy, of his goodness, of his provision, of his providence. The psalmist here is saying that his belief is rooted in what God has done for him and not the other way around. And so often, uh, our hearts want us to make it the other way around. That if we do everything right, then God will love us. If we do everything right, then he has to. He owes it to me. And what the psalmist is saying here is, God has done all these great things, and because of that, I love him. I love him because he first loved me. Because if you flip that around, you get legalism. Flip that around, you get elder brother righteousness, like from the prodigal son story. Flip it around and your relationship with God becomes transactional and not transformational. So for the psalmist and for all of us by extension, God's sufficient word provides us solid ground when our faith is shaky. We can look back at the faithfulness of God, not just in our own stories, but in the stories of scripture, but also in the stories of one another. 
This is why community matters. This is why we say relationship matters uh, because we can't do this on our own. And so the psalmist is saying what drives our belief, even though belief is universal, what drives our belief in the Christian story is that we have found it to be beautiful. That there's something about what God is doing that, that unfolds and unfurls and gets at this part of me that desires and longs to see beauty in this world, and it gives me a lens through which to see that. Can it come without that? Sure, to some degree, but nothing that lasts, right? This eternal beauty that comes only through the story of Jesus. That when we look back at the stories of Scripture, the great promises that God has made, uh, the promise to crush the head of the serpent in Genesis 3.15, uh, the promise to save Israel with the parting of the Red Sea, the promise to save Israel with the, uh, with the founding of the promised land, the promise to save Israel and to save God's people uh, with the coming of the Savior. We can look back and say with the psalmist that your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. That what fires my heart up, that what really gets me out of bed in the morning is looking and seeing there is something that's different and something more beautiful and something more believable about who God is because his stories are so captivating. Uh, this is why it's so important to talk to one another about what God is doing in our lives. This is why it's important to get in a group. This is why discipleship is such a big deal. Because beauty, uh, belief, uh, belief rather is universal. Belief reveals what we find beautiful. Uh, but belief, and our last point will be that belief brings action. Uh, that it's not simply enough to believe we now take that belief and it thrusts us uh, into action. Let's look together at uh, verse 112 in this passage. I incline my heart, the psalmist says, to perform your statutes forever to the end. And when we look at how we all believe in something and how our beauty is activated through our beliefs, scripture then says, because this is true, because you've now, you've placed your belief in, in the God of scripture, you've seen the beauty that comes uh, with a life connected to Jesus. Now we move forward by telling our hearts what they are to believe. As I said before, your hearts are not neutral. Your hearts uh, are far from neutral. Uh, scripture tells us over and over that our hearts are always going to gravitate toward the wrong decision. This is why when we say the phrase, preach the gospel to yourself, this is what we mean. Uh, that when you wake up in the morning uh, and your heart is already rebelling, when your heart is already uh, wanting to gravitate towards shortcuts, uh, you, might not be, you might not be susceptible to falling into Hinduism, but you're probably thinking about cheating on your taxes. That when your heart sees these small decisions and it wants to just make the wrong one because their hearts are, are, are curved inward, the heart is deceitful above all things, Jeremiah 17 says, that we can, we can then speak into our hearts and say, no, instead, heart, believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I know this is hard. Like This is the hardest part about Christianity, right? Is that life comes with pain and life comes with sorrow and life comes with suffering. But we can look at our hearts and say, heart, it is better for you to enter into the suffering and find Jesus on the other side than to go with what you want and miss him altogether. This is what we want to believe about ourselves and this is what we want to tell our heart to do. This is what the psalmist is saying, that we incline our heart to perform the statutes 
of God because our hearts are disinclined to go there on their own. And so we have to. Um, it's imperative that we speak this into our souls uh, every moment that we can. This is why discipleship is such a big deal around here. Uh, it's, we, it's not because we want to have a lot of people in groups. We certainly want that. But because we know that this is where God is going to act. That if you can go and find someone in here who has a few more miles on the road than you have and ask them, hey, could you just, could you just teach me? Could you just show me? They're not gonna think it's weird. Like they wanna do it. And so we go and we submit ourselves to folks who are a little further down the road and who can show us what scripture says so that we can take that back to our own hearts and say, heart, this is what you're to believe. That you're to believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. That when we teach our hearts uh, what to believe, that we incline our hearts to perform your statutes and you remember what you find beautiful, all those things are gonna make you a little more defiant. And so when you see that they're treating our black brothers and sisters differently than they treat us, that we can look at that and say, no, that's not how that works. That when we see folks oppressing the poor and ridiculing the poor and holding down the poor and, and using predatory lending, we can look and say, no, that's not how this works. This is not what the God of scripture says. This is not how this operates. That when we have friends who are walking in obvious and deliberate sin, we can stop them and say, no, this is not how it works. Come back. Come back to God, come back to Jesus, come back to the scriptures, come back to the one who says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Come back to the one who says, I have bought you with a price. Come back to the one who says, I have brought you from darkness to light. Come back to the one who had perfect obedience on your behalf. Come back to Jesus, the Jesus of Nazareth, who when uh, the law of Sinai was passed down, he did not flinch, but he kept it his active obedience on your behalf, we say. And then come back to the Jesus, his passive obedience by going to the cross on your behalf, by crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Come back to that Jesus, find him to be beautiful, find him to be believable, find him to be the one who loves your souls. And for you to say, this is not how it works anymore. Heart, I'm not gonna go down that road, that's not how it works anymore that we can say that to ourselves and that we need to say that to one another. Uh, that that's what we want for the next 10 weeks uh, in this sermon series. Not that we just wanna throw some ancient document in front of you, but that we believe that in this document there is wisdom for life as we find it now. That in these ancient documents, in these ancient words of the Apostles' Creed that we'll recite here in a second, that when we say, I believe, we really believe it that what we believe really drives who we are. And it is our hope and our prayer and our desire for you that what drives you, what drives your belief is that there is a Jesus who is crazy about you. And there's a Jesus who's so in love with you that he set aside heaven and earth to come and get you back. That's what the creed wants to show us. That's what Bible wants to show us, that this is all a story that points to Jesus and that his scripture um, has the ultimate authority in our lives. And so we would ask that you would make that trip with us for the next 10 weeks as we look at different portions of the Apostles' Creed uh, and that at the end of all this, uh, we can say with certainty that we believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth.
So let's pray together if we could. Uh, Jesus, you are so good to us. Uh, Jesus, even in the midst of even telling myself what I need to do, I still buck against it because it's so hard. Jesus, it's so hard to follow you. It's so hard to remain faithful. So Jesus, we have to ask that you would have grace and mercy on us. That the spirit is willing, but the flesh is so weak. And so Jesus, as we learn what it is uh, to remind our hearts where to go, as we preach the gospel to ourselves, as we remind us of all the great things that you have done, that your testimonies are true, uh, would you be kind and compassionate and gracious with us when we mess up? Uh, would you remind us that it is all of grace and only by grace that we can even make such a claim? And so Jesus, as we continue in worship, um, would we follow you, the lead worshiper, uh, that we would sing out uh, with joy and with gladness uh, that you are doing something great. Uh, we love you for it. And Lord, it's in your name I do pray, amen.